Can Nick Foles save the Chicago Bears? Let's break it down. Welcome to the Pigskin Podcast. A weekly podcast about all things football. And only football. Every week, we'll go in-depth about each team and deliver the best hard-hitting topics. Now, here's your host, Andrew Walker. Thanks for tuning in to the second episode of the Pigskin Podcast. My name is Andrew. I'm your host. And today we're going to talk, talk about the Chicago Bears. Is Nick Foles going to be the starting quarterback in the fall? Well, let's start out talking about Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy is the current head coach of the Chicago Bears. A lot of individuals think that he shouldn't be the head coach anymore. They think that they should kind of move on from his play style or the way that he likes to run the organization from a head coaching standpoint. I personally think Matt Nagy is the answer. What I don't believe is he's made the right decisions as far as who should be under center. And we'll discuss that going throughout the podcast as far as things that, you know, may or may not go in Mitch Trubisky's favor. But anyways, Matt Nagy, I think he's a great offensive guru. You know, Matt, he's, he's, on, he's been under Andy Reid's coaching tree. Since back in 2008, you started out with him in Philadelphia, went with him to Kansas City, and eventually got a head coaching job in Chicago. And speaking of Andy Reid, I kind of want to just touch on his coaching tree. That's actually really impressive because you could arguably say that he's one of the greatest coaching trees of all time, and that includes Bill Parcells and also Bill Belichick. I personally think Andy Reid's coaching legacy is more impressive. You have Matt Nagy being one of the individuals who is a current head coach with the team that's been under Andy Reid. You have John Harbaugh as well, current coach of the Baltimore Ravens. Sean McDermott, current coach of the Buffalo Bills. Steve Wilkes, he currently doesn't have a coaching position, but he was a defensive coordinator with Cleveland last year. And before that, he was a head coach in Arizona. And then prior to that, he was the defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. Though Steve Wilkes doesn't currently have a head coaching position or any coaching position right now, you know that he's a great defensive-minded coach. He's proved that everywhere he's gone, and that's large part of you know being under Ron Rivera as well, which Ron Rivera was under Andy Reid, and he's the head coach of the Washington Redskins right now. Then you have Doug Peterson, head coach of the Eagles, Frank Reich, who's a coach of the Colts. And then you have Pat Shermer, who's the offensive coordinator with the Denver Broncos. So you have these – he has made a significant imprint within the league. And I think from top to bottom, I think there's just more, I guess, depth as far as quality coaches than Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick. And that's not to discredit them at all. They're absolutely, in their own right, have a legacy that has had his imprint on the league for a long time. But I think if you look at – the production of all the coaches, I would lean toward more of Andy Reid's legacy. With that being said, I think Matt Nagy is a great head coach, which not many will agree on. You have to understand who he's had at QB, though. I recognize that Nagy has made decisions on the team itself and drafting drafting Trubisky is, I mean, that's <laughs> that in, in itself is a is a really big you know, asterisks and red flag. And the, and the thing is, like, hindsight's twenty twenty because, you know, Mitch Trubisky decided to go back to Carolina for another year. He was actually regarded to be one of the top quarterbacks coming out of Carolina the year before. Decided to go back, ended up hurting him. 
and and how often do we see that? I think maybe Andrew Luck is the exclusion where you know you're one of the top quarterbacks coming out of college. You end up staying in college for another year, and you're just as good, if not better. How how often do we honestly see that though? In your case, maybe well, Justin Herbert, he kind of digressed in in Oregon. I don't think so. I think Justin Herbert had one of the best college you know seasons last year. I don't think he you know took a step back at all. Still one of the best college quarterbacks of all time within the Oregon program, but. I mean, Joe Burrow just coming out of the season he had, and then obviously, too, his record speaks for itself. But Mr. Trubisky has never been the answer in Chicago, and I think a lot of Chicago fans will agree with that. I think, <laughs> I think honestly, a lot of them are kind of fed up with it, which I can totally agree on. I, myself, as, as a fan of football, I don't like seeing Mr. Trubisky under center in Chicago. I think there's better options, including Nick Foles, that we'll discuss Offensive corner being Bill Lazor. You know, Bill Lazor replaced uh, Mark Helfridge, who was the offensive coordinator for Chicago for two seasons. I believe that this hire solidifies that Matt Nagy is going to take control of calling the plays. I think he's going to take that over again because Mark Helfridge and him were kind of on and off with it. And Mark Helfridge being an offensive-minded coach as well came from Oregon. But Matt Nagy, I think he wants his, his, his hand and his imprint over this upcoming season. In Chicago, they also hired Juan Costello as their offensive line coach, which I'm very enticed about, to be honest. Mike McGraw, who interviewed him, said, it's how we're going to approach things and how we're going to do things. I believe it boils down, me personally, I think it boils down to how the Chicago Bears have approached things in the last couple seasons that have really dictated their lack of success. And if you bring in an offensive coordinator in like Juan Costello, with his experience, it could absolutely change the culture on the offensive side of the ball. Where the Chicago Bears have lacked is 100% on the offensive side. I think anyone will know and anybody will agree that has been the case. The Chicago Bears have Chuck Pagano as their defensive coordinator. We know that when he was head coach in Indianapolis, Chuck Pagano, he did a pretty good job. I mean – he went through a, a lot of transition there, a lot of changes. And w- how he performed on a head coaching basis, I think it's overlooked or some people may not appreciate it. People also forget that he went through cancer treatment. And, you know, he's, he's doing a lot better. But that's, that, that takes a lot on, on a, any person, especially when you have one of the most stressful jobs within sports, being head coach of a 53-man roster. But his resume speaks for itself. I mean, he was the head coach for, again, in Indy for six seasons. He has an extensive timeline of coaching. Personally, I think as a defensive corner, he has the easiest job in the NFL aside from Robert Slayer in San Francisco. I think he has the best defensive roster top to bottom in the NFL. And I know people are going to say, you know, San Francisco, blah, 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 like, you're going to say, you know what, maybe Baltimore, you could throw them in there. The thing is, the Bears have the best, by far the best, linebacking crew in the NFL. Their defensive line is, we're, 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 we're going to talk more about impact players within that. But they're in, I think their defensive line is highly underrated. But anyways, like I said, I think he's, that's the second easiest job behind San Fran's defensive coordinator, Robert. 
let's get into kind of like what moves the Chicago Bears have made with free agents. Who did they sign? You know, a couple of players that we'll, we'll talk about is Artie Burns, who without question was an absolute bust draft pick in 2016 by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's talk about someone who has underperformed since entering the league. This guy has started only 55% of the games in Pittsburgh. I cannot see him starting as quarterback, cornerback in Chicago. Cal Fuller and Buster Scrime will take their starting roles, but I can also see Artie Burns playing a third corner. I think he may play that slot role. I don't see him being the primary or even the secondary cornerback within the system. I mean, obviously, Kyle Fuller, he's an absolute unique specimen when it comes to the cornerback position. I think he can honestly be on an island and be kind of like Darrell Revis in a way where he's got that side of the field locked down, and I think he's going to do that. But I, th- I really see Eddie Burns as being a third corner. They also signed Deion Bush, uh, or I should say they re-signed Deion Bush for another season. Bush doesn't really make a difference because Eddie Jackson dominated the safety position anyway. I think Eddie Jackson is the most underrated safety in the whole league, and I truly mean that. If you watch him on film and just the the plays that he made, he's by far the most underrated safety in the league, and I don't think he gets enough credit. I would not be surprised if he makes Pro Bowl and he has a consideration for being top five defensive player in the whole league. He has evolved each season that he's been in there, and I think he's just getting better. The Bears also signed Ted Ginn to a one-year deal. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm wondering where they're going to play him. Are they going to play him at kick return or punt return instead of maybe Cordell Patterson and Tyreek Cohen? I don't see him playing anywhere other than maybe your third receiver somewhere in the slot. Obviously, he's quick. We've seen that in Carolina. We saw that in, in New Orleans. He has the speed. But the offensive core from the wide receiver standpoint in Chicago is not that good. So I think they're going to use him maybe in the slot position or they may just put him out wide, give him a couple deep threats, deep throws and stuff like that. Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham is now a Chicago Bear. This is this is an interesting signing by the Bears. Jimmy Graham is 35 years of age. He's had multiple injuries, and we can all agree once he got out of New Orleans, obviously not by choice, But once he got out of New Orleans, he has never been the same. He was never the same in Seattle. He was never the same in Green Bay. And I don't think he is the same or will be the same in Chicago. Why are the Chicago Bears signing him for for him being 35 years old, having multiple injuries, and they're paying him $16 million for two seasons? This signing has exposed Chicago's weakest area being the tight end position. Before it before signing Jimmy Graham, it was an obvious hole within how they run their playbook. Jimmy Graham, he's not the answer. Uh, I wish he was like he played in New Orleans because he would be top five tight end. But he's not even top 15. You can even say maybe not even top 20. Bears re-signed Danny Trevathan. Bears fans I know are going to be happy about. He fits their scheme really well. I love watching him play. Love it way he attacks the ball. He's not the fastest linebacker out there, but he can make plays. He's smart. And they also signed Robert Quinn. Signed a five-year deal. And in my opinion, the best free agent signing that they made because he get, he gives the Bears even more depth within defense. Could they have played without him? Sure. 
but why not sign someone who can wreck even more havoc and take attention away from Khalil Mack? He makes the defense. This is why I think they're the best defense in the NFL because they were already top five. And then you add Robert Quinn to the existing defense. You're taking away a lot of attention from Khalil Mack. Yeah, you have to maybe double him up still or maybe put a tackle on him and, and have a running back maybe give you know a little a rub on him. But there's no way that you can guard Khalil Mack with two people and expect to guard Akeem Hicks and Robert Quinn. There's no way. You cannot guard all of them effectively. And then you have Kyle Fuller and Eddie Jackson out in the secondary. All I got to say is offensive coordinators, I know that they are going to make a plan to emphasize protection and use a ton of running backs to help protect the quarterback because the Bears defense is going to create a lot of pressure this year. Out of all the free agents the Bears lost or let walk, I would say Taylor Gabriel and Prince Amukamara are the two biggest individuals that are going to make a big impact this upcoming season. Gabriel was a huge asset on the offensive side of the ball. He was he was reliable, and he, honestly, he was a bailout for Trubisky. And now I, I understand and I acknowledge he couldn't stay healthy and he missed five games last season, but Taylor Gabriel was one of the glaring spots aside from Tariq Cohen on the Bears last year. And Prince, on the other hand, he's durable, and he proves that uh, – I mean, he has veteran leadership. So you lose someone who doesn't miss games on the defensive side of the ball. He's been in the league for a long time, has a lot of leadership. But I understand the Bears bringing in Robert Quinn takes a lot away from being able to pay Prince of Mukamara to stay. With coming with a lot of veteran experience comes a lot of uh, skill talent skill and talents he's a great slot cornerback and I think losing him is going to hurt them in the long run sort of speak I don't, I don't say it's going to be hurt in a big way I think the Bears are going to be just fine I don't think they're going to miss a beat but it's hard to lose someone who is top five and in, in being in a certain area on the field as far as being in the slot position is he a top five cornerback no absolutely not but at the slot position He's locked down. He's one of the best in the league. Bears draft picks. The Bears didn't have a 2020 first-round pick. Reason being is when they acquired a Khalil Mack back in 2018, they gave that pick to Oakland. And so they ended up only having seven picks with Cole Komet being their first pick in the second round. He's a tight end out of Notre Dame, and we all know that Notre Dame is considered basically tight end university. They produce more elite tight ends than anyone else. Seems Ryan Pace uh, kind of agrees with me being tight end, being a weak spot within the Chicago Bears offensive scheme. I mean, it's their position at tight end is, is anemic. It's really thin. And I think ultimately Jimmy Graham will start. But don't be surprised if halfway through this season you see Cole Komet take over. Something to be made aware of, though, is he's only played 23 games in college and he's only scored six touchdowns. There's not much production there. But Ryan Pace understands that he offers something on a physical side of the ball and from a mental standpoint that he's got tremendous upside within that position. I think the Chicago Bears are, are looking at they can groom him and kind of teach him their way, so to speak. And I'm excited to see how the Bears utilize him. Like I said, Jimmy Graham I think will ultimately start but don't be surprised if Cole comes in there and takes away that position just because of how young he is, how quick he is. He's smart. Jimmy Graham's older. 
But bringing him in and letting Jimmy Graham kind of groom him, too, I think that is a tremendous upside to what I believe is going to be a stellar tight end within the league. My player to watch for the Bears, though, is Daryl Mooney. Came out of Tulane. He's five foot eleven, so he's a little bit on the smaller side, but he creates separation from cornerbacks. He's, a, I think, he's going to be a very, very well. I think he's going to be utilized a lot in Chicago from the from the wide pres- wide receiver position. When you watch film, he does a great job at where where the defense really isn't, and I know that sounds kind of silly and cliche, but he plays where there's open spots. You know, in zone defenses, coaches tell you to sit where there's an open space. But even in main defense, he does a great job of creating separation but also being where the defensive player isn't. And I think that's going to come in handy. He Honestly, he reminds me, funny enough, kind of like a Taylor Gabriel. Good separation, good speed. I think he's going to be better than what Taylor Gabriel was in Chicago. So keep an eye on Daryl Mooney. I think he's going to be a good asset for Nick Foles. We're talking about the 2020 draft. With Chicago not having a first-round pick, this is actually the last year that they won't. This this completes the the deal with, with Las Vegas. And it's going to be interesting to see how Chicago's draft players are going to play into the system that Matt Nagy is continuing to grow and continuing to mold. Everyone, just want to remind you to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast Pigskin. Head over there, like, share, and comment on our posts. If you have any questions or things that you want us to discuss on the pod, please tweet us or message us on Instagram. We want to hear from you. Your engagement can help drive the podcast. All right, so let's talk about the offense and defensive side of the ball. I think this is the most intriguing part of why I think Nick Foles is going to ultimately be the starter in Chicago. You know, the Bears offense are ranked the offense ranks 29th in the league, which averaged just 297 total yards a game, while the Bears defense ranked eighth overall and conceded just 324 yards a game. If the eighth overall defense in the NFL gives up 27 more yards than their offense gets, you know it's a tall tailed sign the offense is just utter crap. I mean, that's that's ultimately what it is. The offensive game last year in Chicago was just crap. It was doo-doo. But let's see if we can break it down even more. Let's talk about offensive production. The team's offense, they're passing ranked 25th in the league at under 206 yards a game. You would think that those numbers alone would be bottom in the league. But it's crazy to realize that there are only five teams that didn't average 200 passing yards a game. None of those teams made playoffs. But I will provide some optimism to you, Bear fans. Offensively, the Bears outperformed Baltimore in the passing game. Baltimore is on a different league. They're on a different planet when it comes to Chicago. We understand their run game was it was it was fun to watch with Lamar Jackson really taking control. And you know, a lot of people think that he's not really a quarterback. He's just a running back that can throw. But their offense worked last year. Do whatever do whatever it takes to get their offense in a position to succeed. And Lamar Jackson does that. I don't care what you say about him. I don't, I don't care if you say, you know, it, he's, not, he's not one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Let me tell you what. He wins games. 
That's all that matters. That is all I care. And, and the thing is, if Chicago was 14-2, and two, nobody would be saying, well, you know, Mitch Trubisky, you know what, he can't throw 60-yard bombs or he can't throw a slant route 30 yards away. Like, it doesn't matter how a quarterback performs as long as they win games. That's all it, well, you know, all, that's all that matters is just win games. The other problem with Baltimore, though, is they scored on average of almost 16 points more per game. 16 points more per game than Chicago did. But, like I said, you can win in this league without having to pass 50 times per game like Jameis Winston essentially did. If Chicago can kind of figure it out to rely more on the run game and stop giving Mitch Trubisky so much to take, they can win games. It may not be pretty. It may not be perfect. But Baltimore has shown you don't really need to pass the ball a lot to win games. The Bears rushing, though, they ranked 27th in the league, which surprised me. I mean, it's you have Tyreek Cohen back there. You had David Montgomery in the backfield, and you produced a pitiful just 90, 91 yards per game. You have to ask yourself, is it more on the players themselves, or is it more on Matt Nagy? Honestly, I saw it with the plate calling. You have the players that have shown that they can be successful within a system. I mean, two seasons ago, they had Jordan Howard, and he was talked about it being one of the best in the league at that current state and time. Obviously, went to Philadelphia, didn't really do well. You do have or you have had running backs who can produce. So start drawing up play calls that effectively use their skill sets. And what I saw a lot last year with Chicago is they used Tyreek Cohen a lot in screen plays. But Tyreek Cohen is just more than a running back who can catch a screen pass. I think he can be effective on a halfback toss or a stretch. Use him a lot in the pistol formation. I think putting Nick Foles in the pistol formation and having Tyreek Cohen by his side can be effective. But let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. Defensive side, without question, is their strong suit. I think this goes without saying that Kyle Fuller is one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and defensively that shows. They rank ninth overall by just giving up 220 yards a game but is that something that could be sustainable in 2020? I think so. We talked about them losing Prince and Mukamara, but I don't think that will cause them to, to step back in a way that's going to knock them down a couple notches. The Bears' rushing defense doesn't get the clout that I think it deserves. We see the linebacking crew on the Chicago Bears, and I think that overshadows what the Bears do on the defensive line. Obviously, you have Khalil Mack. You have Akeem Hicks, like I said in the beginning, who is the most underrated player, one of the most underrated players in the entire league. Trevathan, Rokon Smith. I mean, rightfully so to give the linebacking crew and core the credit they deserve. But it seems like Akeem Hicks is kind of overlooked on that defensive line. Adding Robert Quinn, who can kind of play that hybrid defense, is going to make that defensive line even better. Same with the defensive linebacking core. And Khalil Mackey, you know, he plays on the defensive line as well, but he's he's more of a hybrid as well. But the rushing defense and passing defense, they work together. They don't work separate from one another. The defensive line in the front seven allow the corners to, to stay in coverage, and the corners do a great job of staying on their 
on their men that allow the front seven to really create a pass rush to try to disrupt what the offensive side of the ball is doing. But the offense produced only 17 and a half points last season. That was fourth worst in the entire league. The defense only conceded 18.6 points a game. How polar opposite can an offense and a defense be? Chicago Bear fans, let me ask you this. How frustrating is it to see the production of your defense, them either create turnovers or create stops or limit teams to field goals, and then the offense goes out there and puts up a goose egg? That's frustrating. I would be pissed. And then you see Mitch Trubisky coming out there, and you're like, oh, gosh. Are we gonna are we gonna actually make a first down? And I know the defensive players too. They're they're mad too because they're they're doing their job. Let me tell you what, they're carrying their weight, but the offensive side of the ball isn't. So I'm curious if, like I said in the beginning, if Juan Costello, who's going to be the new offensive line coach, is going to help Matt Nagy change their approach of things, which has caused them to be a lackluster offense. They can't score the ball, and they can't move the ball. So what are they going to do collectively? You have a new offensive coordinator, a couple new offensive coaches. What are they going to do collectively to create an offense that moves the ball and takes time of possession away from the from the other team? I will say, though, the Bears' offense and defense broke even when it came to turnovers. The defense had 19 takeaways, but the offense gave away 19 takeaways. So, like we talked about, when the defense creates turnovers, the offense needs to capitalize on it. You can't just be kicking field goals. You can't just be taking time of possession away. That's great and all, but you've got to score, score points. That's what it comes down to. Now, with everything that the Bears did last year with Mitch Trubisky, do we think that Nick Foles can outperform? I think so. I mean, let, let's be, let me be transparent for just a moment. And honestly, this doesn't require much to say. Trubisky is a terrible quarterback. He has a lot of bottled-up talent that he seems to chooses not to use. When he was in Carolina, he showed promise. He showed that he can make the throws, he can make the decisions, he has the athleticism to do the things that you need an NFL starting quarterback to do at the next level. But he seems like he doesn't want to use it. But then you may say, what are you talking about, Angel, with bottled-up talent? Well, think, let's think about this. Why did the Bears trade up in 2017 to get Mitch? There's obviously something there that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy saw that can take them to the quote-unquote promised land. And maybe you could counteract with saying, you know what, is it, is it really Mitch Trubisky or is it the playbook? Is a playbook really too much for Mitch Trubisky to handle? Should it be broken down some? Because I know with with Matt Nagy, especially working under Andy Reid, it's a very high and complex offensive scheme that they like to run. A lot of bunch sets, a lot of crazy plays where you have one word that means this thing, and then you add another word, and it completely changes everything. And I understand that it can be challenging for young minds to come in and effectively run an offense. But I don't think that's the reason. I think he's just because... He's not good enough at the position. And I think Nick Foles coming in, I think he should be the starter because Mitch has has had control of that offense. And I think it's a little too late. I think Mitch has had his time. And if you make a trade for Nick Foles, 
you're saying we're going to push Mitch, and I think I think he's on a very, very, very short line, a very short leash. Bears fans, don't be upset with me. And obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. You never know things until they happen. But just think, the Bears traded up Mitch Trubisky in 2017, and they passed on quarterbacks like Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Could that be any worse? Of course, we didn't know Mahomes was going to be an MVP quarterback, especially this young of an age. We didn't know that Watson was going to be one of the best QBs in the league as well. We didn't know those things. And, and you could, you know, say Mitch Trubisky ended up painting out. Say he actually wasn't an elite quarterback. And Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson were just average. But they didn't, they didn't win a Super Bowl or anything. Then you'd be saying, oh, my gosh, the Bears made a great decision. But because that's not the case, everyone says that Mitch Trubisky's a bust and that they pass on two MVP caliber quarterbacks, which they did. Let's say, let's say they, he drafted Deshaun Watson out of Clemson instead of Mitch. Would Deshaun be the quarterback he is now? Would Mitch be the quarterback he is now? Would, would Pat Mahomes have a Super Bowl? Those are questions. That, that's why you can't, you can't play this what-if game. You just have to go with it. You just have to go with what you know. But like I said, the Chicago Bears traded for Nick Foles, and honestly, they traded for him for a bag of chips, essentially. The Jaguars dumped the contract that he signed in Jacksonville for four years, $88 million with a 45 guarantee. But Chicago ended up restructuring his contract for three years and $24 million with the option of him voiding out in 2021 or 2022. So I think Nick Foles taking the big pay cut is honestly going to benefit him. Because let, let, me, let me tell you something. I'd much rather play in Chicago than Jacksonville. Even though I think Jacksonville is a better city to live in, but I think just Chicago, I think me personally, I'd rather play in Chicago as far as just the ownership and the coaching staff and and just the the, the organization itself versus Jacksonville, no offense to Jack's fans. But I think Nick Foles is sitting pretty. I think Jacksonville has a ter- terrible ownership. So, you know, Nick Foles going in there, supposed to take over, sign this big contract, ends up getting hurt, doesn't do what he's supposed to. But at the same time, he is taking a huge pay cut with him going to Chicago. And I will add this, though. Chicago has done more in the last 15 years than Jacksonville has. And even though the Bears haven't been a productive team and made playoffs like everyone thinks they should have, they've done a lot better job at creating consistency than Jacksonville has. And I think Nick Foles going to an organization that has showed consistency in a more positive way than Jacksonville is going to be good for him. Obviously, Nick Foles was in the way he played in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. That's that's a story in itself, and he's he's been on the top of the mountain before. But can he do it again with Chicago? I think with making this trade with Jacksonville shows that the Bears are, have honestly that they've kind of moved on from Trubisky. We have seen too much of Trubisky and not enough production. Foles has shown that he can produce at the quarterback position, as we talked about with him being a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Is he a top in a top twenty five NFL quarterback? That's debatable. I mean, for me personally, in my own rankings, I placed him at twenty eight as the best starting quarterback. That's going to be in twenty twenty. I think he's much better than Mitch, though. We need to comprehend that 
we are choosing between two quarterbacks to who is going to make the least amount of mistakes or least amount of dumb decisions for Chicago. Neither quarterback is going to take the Bears to the promised land like Mahomes or, or Deshaun Watson have done, and they're definitely not Russell Wilson. I mean, we, 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 that, that's like comparing a cantaloupe to, like, I don't know, a margarita pizza. Like, they're just, like, they're, they're not even in the same food group. And I think Russell Wilson's not margarita pizza. I think he's, I think he's a, one of the best quarterbacks in the whole league. I think he's top four quarterbacks in the whole league right now. Nick Foles is not one of that. <laughs> but it really comes down to who's going to turn over the ball the fewest. Who can make the appropriate decisions to win the game? Because defense is ultimately, they're going to show up. We don't even need to talk more about the Chicago Bears defense. Is Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky going to make decisions that are going to outperform the opposing team's quarterback? But are Nick Foles and or Trubisky going to make fewer mistakes? Because I don't care if you're a game manager. Go out there and just win the game. Don't turn the ball over. Contain possession. Get first downs. That's all you need to do. But let's talk about comparable stats between Foles and Trubisky because that's that's what it really – that's what is the cream of the crop is. What does production say about the two? Let's talk about overall record. Nick Foles, 22. He's paid – he's won 26 games. He's lost 22. It's a win percentage of 54.17%. Mitch Trubisky has played – or he has won 23 games and he's lost 18, which is 56.1%. A little better. Let's talk about completion percentage. Nick Foles has completed 61.9% of his passes with 65.5% in 2019 before getting hurt with a broken left clavicle, as we talked about. Started in Jacksonville, ended up getting hurt. Then you have Manchu, Manchu Mania. And then Mr. Bisky has completed just 63.4% of his passes with 63.2 being in 2019. little different career-wise. We'll give the edge there to Mr. Bisky overall. Career yards. Their yards and attempt and their touchdown to interception ratio. So Nick Foles' career passing yards is 11,901 at seven yards per attempt. He's thrown 71 touchdowns with only turning the ball over 35 times. Mitch Trubisky, on the other hand, 8,500 yards, 6.7 yards attempts. He has thrown 48 touchdowns and 29 interceptions. Foles has played 17 more games than Mitch and has 23 more touchdowns with just six more picks. You know the big dis- biggest difference between the two? The defense. Nick Foles has not played with a team that has a Chicago-like defense. If Foles' numbers are similar, if not better, don't you think that he can produce better numbers in Chicago than Mitch Trubisky has? Yeah, we can look at all those numbers. None of them flash off the board. None of them are glaring. None of them are like, wow, this th- these quarterbacks are great. That's why I think Nick Foles is ranked 28 in the league and Mitch Trubisky's worse. But they're both mediocre, mediocre at best. Mitch has had the opportunity in Chicago, and he hasn't produced. Like I said, he's going to start a game or two, but ultimately Nick Foles is going to come in there, and he's going to take over the offense. And I believe that Matt Nagy is not afraid to give him the opportunity. I think Matt Nagy is at the point now where he's like, you know what, I'm going to swallow my pride here. I drafted him number two overall, Mitch Trubisky, but I'm I'm going to let Nick Foles come in and take over the reins. Just a couple individuals I want to highlight going into the 2020 season. These are individuals that I think are going to make the Pro Bowl. I don't even need to talk about Khalil Mack. That's obviously he's in there. But I will say this. I think he's up there to be Defensive Player of the Year again. Shocker. Wow, such a bold prediction, Andrew. But 
The reason why I say that is because I think Robert Quinn being in there is going to give Khalil Mack the Defensive Player of the Year award. I think it's his time. I think he deserves it. I think he's been extremely valuable to his team. He was valuable in Oakland, and he's even more valuable in Chicago. Eddie Jackson. I think, like I talked about in the beginning, he's one of the most underrated players in the whole league, especially at the safety position. And I think he's going to have a tremendous season. Talk about Akeem Hicks as well. I love his motor, how good he is at creating pressure. He's overlooked in so many areas, and I think through the whole league he's overlooked. But I do believe he's going to have a Pro Bowl year. And then here's my boldest prediction out of everything. I think that the Chicago Bears offensive line is going to rank top 15 in the league next year. They're going to make a significant increase and jump with their production. Juan Costello is going to come in there and he's going to ulti- he's going to revolutionize how the Bears offensive line has been performing. And they were one of the worst in the entire league last year. That's my bold prediction with that line. I think they're going to be good. But their schedule coming up, it's you know what? It's it's an interesting schedule. Yeah. I mean, I I think they're going to go 8 and 8 and I know Bears fans are going to be frustrated with what the heck 8 and 8 don't roll your eyes on me because I know that's what you guys are doing. You believe that your team is better than 500 football. On the defensive side, absolutely. You guys are top five in the league as far as defensive football, which is your offense that is going to cause you to be 8-8 eight eight next year. There are too many question marks on the offensive side of ball that's making me want to go better than 500 football. But I think the Chicago's biggest win is going to come week 10 against the Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football. I think Chicago is – I think their home record is going to be five and three. I think you guys are going to have a good home record, and I think the away is going to be three and five. They don't have an, you know, Chicago doesn't have an extremely difficult schedule, but I think there are going to be some trap games like Atlanta, going to Atlanta, and going to Nashville. Those are tough places to win on the road, especially with their run games. You know, Todd Gurley being in Atlanta now, and then Derrick Henry being the track to seat though that he is, is going to absolutely cause some cause some discomfort the defense of Chicago. Do I think Chicago's defense is still going to play well? Yes. But I think Ryan Tannehill is another added piece. Some highlight games that we want to talk about. Chicago this year has four primetime games, which, honestly, that's that's not that much. Normally they have a lot more. They're one of the, the teams that have the most primetime games each year. Understandably so. They have one of the biggest markets in the entire league. But you can't deny... You, you know, you may hate the Chicago Bears, but let me tell you something. Their fans travel. You know, it can be a home or away game. Their fans travel. They watch their team on TV. They deserve the primetime games. Is the football they play good? Most of the time, it's not. But if you're talking about from a from a standpoint of why their primetime games are so much every year, you have to understand from the business aspect to why it makes sense. Highlighted primetime games of Thursday Night Football against the Bucks. Oh, my goodness, that's going to be a difficult one. Then you have the Monday Night Football at L.A. Rams. Another Monday Night Football game against the Vikings, which I said that they're going to win. And then you have a Sunday Night Football in Green Bay. Those are some quality primetime games that I'm going to be excited for to watch. Obviously, have to circle the Bucks game because you got Tom Brady you're playing. And the other one is obviously Green Bay with being the rival. But if we look at teams – just quickly, this is this is how I think the, the schedule is going to go with, with Chicago. I think the first two games they're going to win. At Detroit, home against Giants. I think the next three they're going to lose. At Atlanta, home against Indy. 
home against Tampa Bay. I think they'll go to Carolina and they'll get the W. I think the next three games they're going to lose at LA Rams, at New or home against New Orleans, at Tennessee, and then they're going to win that Monday night football game against Minnesota. Bears have a week 11 bye week, and I know a lot of teams probably be wishing they had that. Teams hate early bye weeks, so it's it's nice to see that Chicago's got one later on. Then I believe they're going to lose at Green Bay. It's really difficult for the Bears to win in Green Bay. It seems like they're never able to do it, and I'm not going to change it this year. But I think they are going to beat Detroit at home, and I think they will beat Houston in Chicago. It's going to be cold. Houston's a, obviously an indoor team. It's going to be hard to play the Bears defense in the cold. And you play, play at Minnesota, I think that's going to be a loss. At Jacksonville, that's a W, and I think that Chicago is going to finish this season against Green Bay at home, and I think that's going to be a W. But that's enough with the schedule. Is Nick Foles, again, is he going to be the, the player or the quarterback that saves Chicago? I think he's going to be the starter in 2020. I think the Bears can shake up some some things within the league. I think they're going to shock some teams, and I hope they do. I I, I think Chicago – I enjoy watching them. They have my favorite jerseys in the entire league. Absolutely love their color scheme. Love their logo. Beautiful stadium. Soldier Field is 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 awesome. All that stuff may look pretty, but their offense doesn't. And I hope that Nick Foles comes in and he takes takes over the position and he ultimately takes Chicago Bears to the playoffs. But everyone, thanks for listening. This is episode two again to the Pigskin Podcast. Let us know what you think. Do you think the Bears should start week foals over Trubisky? Will they finish better than 8-8? Eight and eight? And will Matt Nagy continue to be the coach going forward? Or will Ryan Pace decide to kick him out? Let us know at Podcast Pigskin on Instagram and Twitter, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening this week on the Pigskin Podcast. Subscribe to the pod on iTunes and Spotify so you'll never miss a show. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast Pigskin. If you want to stay engaged throughout the week, give us a follow. We want to hear from our listeners. Give us a breakdown. Signing off. Signing off.